and all those kinds of things, but comfort, I'm not sure. <laughs> and uh, just when you think you can settle back and be comfortable, um, the Lord seems to have other uh, things for you. Praise his name. And what a joy and what a privilege it really is to serve him, but more so to know him. And uh, this morning uh, I was reading uh, my Bible reading this morning uh, covered a couple of, of um, passages, one out of uh, Philippians and the other out of uh, the Psalms. And the one in the Psalms uh, spoke about the brevity of life. That's a good one, isn't it? You know, I asked the Lord, okay, Lord, you know, I'm about to uh, finish at, uh, at Blackheath. Have you got a, a word for me? And it was all about the brevity of life. And I think the Lord was really saying to me in it all, Graham, all your days are numbered. Um, I'm leading and I'm guiding and I'm bringing about my very best plans and purposes for your life. And so um, who knows um, how long we have and, and you know what will take place tomorrow. But what a wonderful, wonderful assurance we have uh, deep in our hearts that God has got it all in control. Amen? Absolutely. All in control. So I, I want to talk a little bit this morning um, about hope. I want to talk about how to find hope when you need hope. And no doubt, um, like me, you have uh, seen the reports, the news reports with regards to the bushfires that have been uh, that were raging down on the Great Ocean Road, and uh, particularly how they affected those small coastal areas, but particularly the villages or the townships of Y River and Separation Creek, and uh, and also I'm sure you've been kept up to date, and even this morning again another report of the fires in Western Australia, and uh, sadly. Up until today, there was no loss of life. Now, two elderly uh, men have lost their lives. But 130 homes destroyed. Um, so a lot of grief and a lot of pain there of people. You know, when I particularly saw the images of uh, that Great Ocean Road fire, it reminded me a little bit about the 2009 fires, which we call Black Saturday. And I believe that those fires, above all others, including Ash Wednesday, which was back in 1983, I think that left those fires, that Black Saturday fire, left every Australian feeling uh, really shocked um, and almost standing in disbelief as to the speed of, of the fire and the, the absolute ferocity of the fire as well. And the utter destruction it caused. It was Australia's highest ever loss of life from a bushfire and 173 people lost their lives um, to that fire. And I can, I can still feel and sense uh, the deep sadness that, that I had as one person after another spoke to news reporters um, of their loss. And in the Whittlesea Community Centre, they set up a bushfire community notice board. And the media named it the Centre of Hope, the Centre 
of hope and scribbled on those post-it notes were messages and I'm, I'm sure you can remember seeing those images, all those messages. Um, they were from people inquiring after missing family members or friends or neighbours, not sure where they were. And along with the stories of, of death and of, of such loss and destruction were stories of optimism and stories of hope and stories uh, and, and images of, of couples who found each other thinking that one of them were lost, were killed. And yet now at this centre of hope they had met up with one another again. And so... Um, it was for me, and I'm sure for you, it was deeply moving to see uh, those particular things happening. And one man who himself was a fire victim, had lost um, everything that he owned and possessed, told reporters, I didn't think just how important hope was. I didn't think just how important hope was. And Dr. Harold Wolfe, who is professor at Cornwall University Medical School, um, and he conducted a study on the effects of hope on the human body. His study was over several years, and it involved some 25,000 men and women who were returned prisoners of war. And his findings showed that when a person has hope, they are capable of bearing incredible burdens and cruel punishment. But when hope is gone, people fall apart emotionally, physically and spiritually. Hope is one of those essentials of life. And when hope is gone, it appears that the will to live is lost as well. And today, I want to quickly look at where you go to find the help and the hope that you need when you need it. I'm just so grateful uh, to Jenny who thought and prayed uh, hard and long about the songs uh, this morning. Um, because, uh, you know, I could very well just refer to that song, All My Hope Is In You. All my strength is in you. With every breath, my soul will rest in you. And church, that's the way God always intended it to be. That we would find our hope and our strength, everything that we need to live this life, would be found in relationship with him. He would meet our every need. That's always been the intention of God and yet sin has interrupted that until uh, to the point where all our hope is in me. All my strength is in me. With every breath I take, I'm going to hammer this life out. I'm going to overcome. I'm going to be successful. It never, was never meant to be like that. It was always meant to be found in relationship with God. And when sin severed that, that was lost. 
But we praise the name of Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior, who has given us this new hope into our hearts, this strength that comes from him into our spirit. And so that's what I want to talk a little bit about this morning. It's the kind of hope that you can count on when you're faced, not just with some calamity or some crisis, but as you journey through life. I believe this is what God always intended. And when Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life in all of its fullness, I kind of sense that this is what he's talking about. That we might know his all-sufficiency in our very lives for this day and tomorrow and every other day that we're going to draw breath on this planet. So where do you find that kind of hope? Well, God is the source of that hope. Now that might appear so obvious and yet church... Sometimes we just need to be reminded. I'm not telling you something here this morning that you don't already know and that is not deposited already in your spirit. But I believe that perhaps God needs to remind you of that this morning. He needs to point you again to him who is your everything. And so Romans, uh, Paul writing to the Romans says this, May God the source of your hope, fill you with joy and peace through your faith in him. You see, that's what should be the overflow of our relationship with Christ, with God through Christ, is joy and peace. As we believe in Christ and as we have faith in him, in every circumstance that's coming into our lives, we should be filled with this joy and peace. Then you will overflow with hope. You will overflow with hope. In other words, as you put your faith in God, he gives you peace, he gives you joy, and he gives you hope. How many of us right now are saying amen to that? Because we know that when we put our our reliance on our own selves and on someone else, we find that we're full of anxiety and fear. It's the very opposite of what God wants to deposit into our hearts and into our lives. We're filled with anxiety when we place our trust in ourselves or in somebody else. But when we put our faith in him, him, he who is able to do the impossible, then we are filled with joy and peace because he can do all things. And so this joy comes to us because we believe in him. And so we're filled with joy and peace and hope. The Bible tells us that God is the source of our hope. In Psalm 52 and verse 9, it says this, In your name, in your name, I will hope, for your name is good. God says if you want to put your hope in him, 
you need to put it in his name. But what does that mean? How do you put faith or, you know, how do you put hope in God's name? What does that mean? Well, let's quickly just have a look at some of the names of God that we find in the Bible to answer that question. God is called Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And we know that story in in Genesis 22, where God says to Abraham, take your son, Isaac, your one and only son, and take him to a mountain that I will show you. And there, sacrifice him to me. And we know the story about that, how just as Abraham was about to plunge the sacrificial knife into his son, the, the angel of the Lord called out and said, Abraham, no, don't do that. The Lord has tested your faith and you've come through. And then there was this lamb bleating. And so um, Abraham went and took the lamb, laid it on the sacrifice, rock, stone, and sacrificed the lamb there. And so that place became the place that is called, um, let's read the, the verse, Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. And even now people say, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. I, I want to tell you, church, sometimes the Lord takes you and I to the mountain where we have to sacrifice. And we know the pain and the burden and the cost of that sacrifice. But I want to tell you something else. You will never experience Jehovah Jireh until you and I are ready to sacrifice all that we have to know and love and to serve him. That is where you find God is able to provide. Jehovah Jireh. That is the place on the mountain of the Lord where your faith is tested. Where the thing that you might hold dearly to yourself or the things that you might hold dearly to yourself, God is asking you to surrender them and to sacrifice them. And when you and I are able to do that, we will know God in a far greater way than we've ever known before. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. God always provides enough when the time comes. Always he provides enough when the time comes. Jehovah Rophi, I am the Lord who heals you. And you'll recall as the Israelites left uh, Egypt and they began their journeyings, um, they came to a place called Marah. And at Marah, um, they were about to um, drink the water and the flocks were about to quench their thirst and they found that the waters were bitter. And, uh, and then the Lord said to Moses, um, Moses, I want you to take this piece of wood that's there and throw it in the water. And the water became sweet. And so they drank the water at that place. 
And there the Lord said to his people, you know, if you continue to trust me, if you continue to walk with me and have faith in me, if you continue to look to me, I will meet your every need. Every need I will meet. And I will not cause all the diseases that I brought down on the Egyptians. You will not suffer those. And then he said these words, I am the Lord who heals you. And this implies spiritual, emotional, as well as physical healing. And in Jeremiah, the Lord says, I will give you back your health and heal your wounds. He's talking to Israel and Judah at that time. But he's talking to us as well. The Lord is our healer as we look to him, as we put trust our trust and faith in him. And of course, this is the verse that the Lord Jesus um, uh, spoke at the time uh, at Nazareth there when he was in the temple and they handed him the scroll. And, uh, uh, you know, this is the Lord's um, job description, as it were, the spirit of the sovereign Lord. That's what he said is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to pro- proclaim that captives will be released and the prisoners will be freed. God heals body, soul and spirit, all levels of man's um, being. And so we have Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rophe, the Lord who heals body, soul and spirit. And the last verse in Ezekiel, the last verse of the last chapter in Ezekiel, he says this, um, he gives us one of his names. He says, I am Jehovah Shammah. The Hebrew in that word is, I am the God who is always there. Hallelujah. <laughs> I am the God who is always there. Have you ever felt that God was never there? That somehow he was a million miles away from you and you were standing there all bereft of any hope, of any strength, of any comfort, of any provision, of any protection. No, you were so far from the truth in that, it's not funny. God has always been with you. Always there. That means there is no place that you can go that God, that God isn't there. Take a moment, please, to grasp this. God has been in your past, okay? Soak this in, church, okay? God has been in your past. He's in your present. He's right here with us now. He's going to be in your future. I'm, I put a tick on all of these because I, I'm an amen. This is the truth, right? He's in your present. He's going to be in your future. He's He's in the good times and the bad times. He's in the good places and he's in the bad places. And he's with you whether you feel it or not. He's always there. Just grasp that right now. He's here. He's here with us. He is Jehovah's Shammah, the God who is always there. There's no place you can go. Uh, was it David that, that said, you know, if, if I was to go to, uh, into heaven, you're there. If I was to go into hell, you're there. 
uh, if I was to go, um, you know, from the east or the west, which is infinity, uh, you would be there. You can't escape God. He's there. And that's a wonderful, wonderful comfort and strength to us all here in this building this morning. To all of us, his children. And so, just let me quickly give you now just a couple of things um, that you can count on. No matter what happens, you know that life is not hopeless. And the first thing is this. He's watching over me. He's watching over me. Who knows one day from the next? And that's why it was so, my goodness gracious me, this morning, Lord, I've been preparing this sermon all week and then this morning. You talk to me personally and you say to me, Graham, you don't know one day from the next. And we joke, you know, and we go, oh, you know, I was, we were supposed to retire, but the Lord had other plans and everyone goes, ha, 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 and I go, ha, 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 the joke's on me. And the Lord's going, no, Graham, it's not a joke. It's not a joke. I know you find it funny <laughs> and peculiar, but it's not. You don't know one day from the next day, but every day I'm leading you and I'm guiding you. Every day he's leading you and he's guiding you. Watching the news reports on the Victorian bushfires and even on that tornado that hit Sydney, uh, you know, parts of Sydney just before Christmas, makes you realise just how quickly things can change. Like that, they change just like that and how in an instant our well thought out plans uh, just go out the window. Anyone relate to that? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you, you go and get a, a, an x-ray because the doctor has asked you to go and get an x-ray. He doesn't think there's anything wrong but it's precautionary. So, you know, you rock off to go and get your x-ray. You have a cream bun and a cup of coffee on the way and, you know, and you're feeling really good until the doctor sits and talks with you and says, I'm really sorry to say, in an instant, you just want to throw up that cream bun. <laughs> Things change just like that. An unexpected, unwanted blow can easily rip any sense of security and of being in control of our lives clean out of our hands. It's gone. It's gone. And the truth is, none of us can control what is going to happen in the future. I don't know if any of us can control what's going to happen today, guys. You got your plans for today? What are you going to do after church today? Oh, of course we've got our plans. There's nothing wrong with that. All I'm saying is that they can quickly change. And, and so if we don't know what's going to happen in the future, what is God's answer to that? What does he say to me when I stand before him and I go, well, what was that all about? <laughs> well, for goodness sake, thank you. That snuck up on me. So what would I expect to hear back from him and what would you expect, expect to hear back from him? And this is what I believe he would say. He would say this. He would say, don't be afraid. 
for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. God says, you don't have to pull yourself up by your own bootlaces, Graham. I'll hold you up. I can't think of any greater and more stronger hand to reach out for other than the hand of Jesus. He'll lift you up. He'll lift you up. He'll be your strength. He's your hope. He's your everything. And here's God's promise to us in Isaiah. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Anybody want to hear that? Uh, Needs to hear that this morning? Okay. He's with you. He's with you. Take it to the bank. And when you don't feel like it, when you don't think that God is with you, you just remind him. You just remind him, Lord, that's what you said. You're with me. And in reminding him, you're going to be reminding yourself as well. And of course, out of Hebrews, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. The good news is that regardless of what may happen, you and I don't have to go through it alone. God will be there with us. That's one of the certainties of life that you can hold on to, that God's answer. And when I hold on to that certainty, I am filled with hope. You know, my mum passed away, oh my goodness, 1986, um, after a, a very long and painful battle with cancer. And I can remember visiting her one day in RPA and leaving that uh, hospital bedroom absolutely angry against God. How could he let this beautiful saintly woman suffer the way that she was suffering? And uh, I remember getting home and going to... um, Um, a room, our bedroom, and and I remember having it pretty well out with the Lord. Anyone ever done that? (sighs) Praise his name that he just understands us so well. And I really had it out with him and and accused him of not caring and, and all these kinds of things. And that's just the pain that we have and he understands all that. And the next day I went into a hospital and uh, my mum said to me, um, my family nickname is Mick. Do I look like a Mick? No. No, I don't, do I? But she said to me, Mick, I had a really strange experience yesterday, not long after you left. And I said, well, what happened? And she said, I don't know if I was asleep or awake. She said, but I looked to the door of my room and there were two young men standing there. And one of them was leaning up against the, the door jab and the other one was just had his hand on the wall and on his hip and they were both looking at me. And one of them said, let's go over and pray for her. So they moved to the bed and she got fearful and then they just disappeared. And I think that was more for me than a mom, my mum, who had amazing faith. And it was just the Lord was saying, 
Graham, I'm there. I'm there. I'm with her and I'm with you. Do you need to hear that today? The Lord is with you. And he's with your loved ones. He's with your children. He's with your grandchildren. He's with your great-grandchildren who are not even born yet. He's with them. He's with them. And that's the good news because of God's great love. And I'm filled with hope. I'm filled with hope because he's with me. Are you filled with hope this morning? Because that's the message. (laughs) This is my swan song. Be filled with hope. God himself said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. And so that gives us great hope. Here's some more things to tick off. God has promised to be with you. Don't try and figure it out. Simply trust God. Don't try and figure it out. The what ifs, what might happen if I do this, if I go there, if I... No, no, look, rest. Rest, a beautiful, beautiful verse in Isaiah 26 says this. In quietness and confidence shall be your rest. In quietness and confidence. That's the place of rest. So, don't try and figure it out. Simply trust God. You don't know the future, but he does and he will guide and advise and keep watch over you. Oh, what a great father we have. Okay? There's tremendous, tremendous hope in that. Okay. And the second source, and then I'll be finishing as quickly as I can, is that God is working out his purposes in me. Now, I know sometimes that's really, really... You know, you can, you can almost... Uh, I was talking to a, a good friend during the week and it's, he's going through a really hard time. And he said, Graham, I'm sick and tired of people, Christians, saying to me, God works all things out for the best. Because I can't really see the best in this. All I'm feeling is pain. And I go, oh, gee, how am I going to respond to that? Other than say to him, sorry, but that's what God, <laughs> that's what God says. <laughs> he is working for the good, even though there's a whole lot of pain in all of that. So he's asking himself this question. I wonder if you've ever asked yourself, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? When do you say that? When do you say those kinds of words? Well, usually when you find yourself in a situation that's causing you a great deal of fear or anxiety or worry, distress, whatever it might be. It's a situation that just doesn't seem to make any sense. A situation that is difficult or hard to handle. On the other hand, when you can see a reason, and if I go back to that quote, early on, if you can see a reason for what might be happening, right, all of a sudden you can, or, uh, you know, a reason or a purpose behind the problem that seems to give you hope. It gives you enormous hope and power to endure whatever is happening, whatever is happening. Let me just remind you quickly of those words. Uh, When a person has hope, 
They are capable of bearing incredible burdens and cruel punishment. But when hope is gone, people fall apart emotionally, physically, and spiritually. If, if you're feeling like you're I'm just about to fall apart, Lord, I'm just about to fall apart, put your hope in God. That's the message. It's not just my message. Oh, man, it's not just me trying to pump you up by giving you a positive pep talk this morning. This is God's word. He's pumping you up. <laughs> it's his word. And so, you know, um, this is where you can have hope. The Bible in Romans 8 and 28, and there it is. There it is. We can quote it. We can blindfold ourselves and stick 45 carrots in our mouths and we can still say it. Right? We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purposes for them. Now, this is a significant, a much-loved verse. So let me just finish by just having a quick look at this. Notice first what it doesn't say. It doesn't say all things work out the way I want them to. It doesn't say that. I might like to say it. <laughs> I might like to say it, but that's not what it says. It doesn't say all things work out the way I want them to. What does it say? Well, first it says, we know that God causes everything to work together for good. We know. It's like a, it's, it's a known thing. Every Christian should know this. This is what Paul's saying. Every one of us should know this. Do we know that this morning? Do you know that this morning? I mean, not just up here, but down in here. Do you know that? Is your spirit saying, yeah, I know that. I know that. Paul seems to think that every Christian on the planet should know that God works for the good in every situation. We know. We know means that it's not a wish that everything will work out together. We know that we can be 100% confident that God is working in our lives and circumstances for, the, for our good and for his glory. We know means that we know. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Saviour? Amen. Do you know that? You know that? Yeah, yeah, you know that. Somebody put a gun to your head and says, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Do you know that? You go, I know that. Pull the trigger, please. Of course you know it. And it's the same thing here. It's the Holy Spirit saying to our spirit, I know, we know, you know that God is working for the good. In all circumstances, we know, what do we know? We know that God causes everything, causes everything to work together for good. Everything. What does everything include? <laughs> everything. Everything includes everything. And I could give you a, a huge list. Yeah, I could ask you, shout out everything. And, and it's too big, you're right. You're right, dead right. It's too big. It's, oh, it's too small, I should say. The list would be too small because God can do everything. Why? Because nothing is impossible for God. 
Nothing is impossible. He just said everything. Paul just said everything. And that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say everything. If you have something particular, then write it down. Write it where God says everything. <clears throat> we know that everything, whatever that your everything is, put it down. Write it in. Because you can take this with great confidence that God is working it all out. He's working it all out. He's in it. He's not apart from it. He's right in it. <clears throat> it notice it doesn't say all things are good. And it doesn't say God causes all things. God didn't cause, uh, you know, these fires. God doesn't cause marriages to end in divorce or anyone to lose their job. Uh, he doesn't cause war or famine or poverty or sickness. To lay those kinds of things at the front door of God is totally wrong. In the majority of cases, we do a pretty good job <laughs> at bringing those kinds of things down on our own heads. Or others will do it for us or to us. But it does say this, God causes all things to work together for good. So, <clears throat> when we understand that God is not only um, watching over us, but he's working in us and that his presence is with you and that he's working out all things for good, then you have enormous hope. Let me just ask you a question and I finish with this question and then I'll just run through that list again. Can God bring good out of bad? He can, can't he? Did he bring any good out of the crucifixion? You're sitting right alongside of someone <laughs> that just shows you that God brought something really wonderful and good out of the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ. He brought wonderful things out of a dreadful, horrible um, situation which the crucifixion was. So God can bring good out of the bad. And when we understand that God is watching over us, God is watching over you, I don't know what's happening in your life right now, but I want you to take this with you. Let it just be planted in your spirit this morning. Not just, uh, yes, I know he's with me, but a real knowing that you know, that you know that God is watching over you. Not only do we have those words out of Hebrews, I will never, ever, never, never leave you. No, never, never, never forsake you. But he's Jehovah Shammah. <laughs> he's there. He's the God who is always, always, always there. He's with you. He's with you. 
and he's working in us. That his presence, he's working in us and that his presence is with you and that he's working out all things for good. Then you have enormous hope. Church, I pray, and it's been my prayer as I've been preparing this week, that those words would be so deposited deep in your spirit this morning. For whatever takes place in the days to come, the Holy Spirit will remind you of those words. And in those things you will find hope. Amen? Father, thank you. Uh, You just love to speak to us, Lord, and you've given us your word. and We've found this morning hope and strength and faith and confidence and rest and peace in your word. We're really strengthened now, Father. And I pray, Father, for every person in this building this morning, that your grace will continue to be with them. And Lord, whatever happens over these next weeks and months and years, Lord, that this word won't be something that's forgotten. Dear Holy Spirit, I ask that you would, you would just place this word into every spirit, every heart here this morning so that they may be strengthened to follow with great joy and peace our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we love so much. We give you now all the honour and all the glory in his wonderful name. Amen. God bless your church. Thank you.